This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you got to grow up sometime. Hey everyone, you know what it's time for? Swans Crossing! Nobody, nobody should ever break their laptop. It's terrible. It is really, it, it's bad. It, yeah. I've broken a few laptops in my time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's always this moment where you're like, no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> and there's, there's, usually, there's often for me this moment of, ah, that drop wasn't that bad. <laughs> and then I was like, and then you're like, oh no. I've been dropping my iPhone a lot lately. I keep expecting to just totally destroy it. But so far it has survived. I understand the fancy new one came out. That's what I hear. So, good time to break your iPhone. I've still got an iPhone 12 Pro, which is, like, old now. <laughs> That's what? the Roomba. <laughs> the, like, the Roomba... Here's the thing. Courtney controls the Roomba. So, I have no idea, like, how to tell it to not start at exactly the time that we start recording. <laughs> <laughs> I, um... I kind of want to get a Roomba for our new place just because I'm really hoping at least one of my cats will ride around on it like it's their little chariot. Hell yes. It's so funny to me when cats ride Roombas. It's like the best thing about yeah. Roombas and cats. You need, you appear to be in a different room. Are you no longer in the garret? No, I am in the garret. It's just that like, does that look more familiar? Oh, yeah, that looks more familiar. Yeah, my okay. computer was just turned a little. <laughs> Um, these fascinating technical aspects of Gotta Grow Up Sometime, A Swan's Crossing Retrospective, are brought to you by Table Cream. In Canada, there's a thing called Table Cream. It's creamier than half and half, but it's not as creamy as whipped cream. It's so good. <laughs> what are you talking about? Table Cream. It doesn't exist in the United States, and I love it. I fucking love it. I put it in my coffee. I put it in my tea. I slam Table Cream all day long. Well, I, here's the thing. I've been to Canada and definitely been to coffee shops where they're like half and half. What is that? It's weird. Yeah. If you just ask them for cream, what you'll get is table cream. It is very similar to half and half, to be fair. It's just got like a slightly higher fat percentage. I love that. But it makes all the difference. Mm. Um, anyway, as aforesaid, uh, this is Gotta Grow Up Sometime, a Swan's Crossing retrospective. I am Libby Grant. I'm Nathan Kessler-Jeffrey, and I don't think it was aforesaid. I did. I did mention the name of the podcast briefly. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> Um, we watched episode 57, didn't we? And boy, it was an action-packed episode. You know, not given the fact that they used the long version of the theme song, I was very concerned that this was going to be an all-exposition episode. And there was some of that, but it was actually, like, pretty good. Pretty good for a Swans Crossing episode. It was, and, like, I don't remember exactly. I think it's, like, two episodes from now. It really ratchets up to an astonishing degree like as we go into the last episodes of the season it gets 
so much more bonkers than you have even grown used to over the past 57 episodes. How is that possible? Oh, just wait. There's this one moment, I think it's two episodes from now, that I know you were going to freak out and text me so much about it. It's so (laughs) funny. Actually, there's two moments like that. Jeez. Uh, Hang on one second. River is scratching at her food bin. My dog is the pickiest eater. She'll be over there scratching at her food bin and she's like, I want a treat. I want a treat. I want a treat. And I go get her one of these chewy things that we give her. And then she sniffs it and she's like, not that kind. (laughs) River. (laughs) I love your dog. She is. She's great. She's got a a real personality. (laughs) Fantastic dog. Uh, So what what did I think was going to happen this episode? Well, let's get into it. Um, you predicted that Sydney would have a renewed vision of who she is and who she wants to be, would take some time to gather her thoughts, and she and Callie would make a plan for how to confront Garrett, although the confrontation doesn't happen yet. I would say that is all correct. Okay, not bad. Not bad. Jimmy would decide what to do with the radio transmitter and would take it to Callie or JT and Neil. That was correct. Yep. Uh, Mila and Garrett would spend most of the next episode in the soda shop as Garrett continues to try to find some way out of writing poetry. Also correct. Yep, yep. His his scene under the counter is one of my all-time favorite Garrett bits. <laughs> I know. It's so brief and yet so perfect. Yep. <laughs> uh, you predicted that JT and Neil would be back in this episode, and if Glory comes back, she would feel very shoehorned in. That was correct. Yep. The only one you did not get right is that you said Owen and Sandy would not be in this one, but we did get some Owen and Sandy action. We got some very good Owen and Sandy action. I'm very excited about it. We're back in the studio. There's still no indication of where the entrances are. It's great. It's great. (laughs) It's really good. Uh, Do you want to go over the thumbnail? I would love to talk about the thumbnail. So Glory has finally returned. She stands on the booth porch surrounded by JT, Neil, and Saja. She's rocking a sleeveless, button-down denim shirt and what looks like patterned, not-quite-parachute pants. Is there a name for these type of pants? Um, I think most people call them hammer pants back then because MC Hammer wore them, yeah. Hammer pants, excellent. They're not quite as big as the hammer pants that I remember Hammer wearing, but yeah they're close though very balloony the guys are all looking at her as they're talking which made me wonder from looking at this thumbnail on shoutfactory.tv are they going over the snake pit again given all that jt and neil have discovered about who has kept who has been keeping tabs on them so that was the question i had going into this episode from the thumbnail is it a snake pit episode is it we'll find out but but we don't start there because we we open on a shot of Mila's pancakes at Swan's Soda Shop, or what I assumed at the time that I was watching this were Mila's pancakes. It turns out they're not Mila's pancakes. They're not Mila's pancakes. We're, we've gone away from the starving artist uh, motif, which is really good, I think. <laughs> really, like, that's a step forward. <laughs> Garrett's pen is tapping anxiously against the plate on the with the pancakes, and as the camera pulls back, Mila grips his hand and tells him to just let his feelings flow as he stares at a blank page of blue paper sitting on his knee as he rests his feet on the table of the restaurant, where he, it is shown that he is wearing loafers and no socks. <laughs> loafers and no socks, a classic, like... 90s preppy boy move Uh, so here's what's interesting to me about this entire scene that drags out over the course of the whole episode 
they're in Swan's Cafe. Jazz is yep. there. No uh-huh. one else is there. The restaurant mm-hmm. is empty. It's open and yet entirely empty except for these three people. Yeah, which I I mean, there was, as I recall, something said in the last episode about them coming here so early because it would be empty. Yeah. Um, but this is by far the emptiest we have ever seen this restaurant. And it stays that empty over the course of almost the entire episode. Absolutely. Which is weird because we also find out later how long Garrett and Mila have been there. I'll get into it later. But anyway. You can almost hear the death and sadness coming out of the blue and black bins behind the counter. It's that quiet <laughs> in here. Jazz comes over with another order of pancakes and remarks that Garrett's feet, which, as you said, are up on the table, are Longfellows. Get it? Because poetry. Yeah. And she tells him to get his feet off her damn table. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She asks what it is that they are doing here, knowing that they had broken up at some point. And Garrett says, it's simple. I finally found the woman that can really make me happy. And Mila goes, I've discovered a side of Garrett that no one knows. And with an eye roll for the ages, Jazz mutters, another three hours here and maybe I will too. They've been there for three fucking hours. Three hours. What is going on in this town? What time does Swans open? Like at six? Okay, if they open at six, then it's 9 a.m. But like you would still, like people would be pouring in for breakfast at nine. Absolutely they would. My assumption is they open at seven and it is now a little past 10 and the lunch rush or the breakfast rush has come and gone. So bonkers. Okay. Oh my God. Mila asks Jazz who that guy was who she saw leaving, I guess, three hours ago. Uh, The Baldy, of course. Jazz gets all smiley and happy and says, there was something mysterious and intriguing about him. I love that she calls him the bald stranger. (laughs) The bald stranger. I wish I wish I had had that title earlier because it's so much better than Captain Baldy. Well, he can be Captain Baldy, comma, bald stranger. Bald stranger. Hello there, bald stranger. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mila gives Garrett a little notebook with a letter with a leather cover as a gift for his poetic Chandler side, and Garrett gets a schemy look on his face. We cut from there to the booth house where Jimmy rides up to the porch on his motorbike holding the bug or radio transmitter or whatever it is that he pulled from underneath Barrett's sweet hog. Sweet hog. <laughs> Barrett's sweet hog is a great title for this episode. <laughs> it's a pretty good title. Oh my God. <laughs> Jimmy knocks so, on the door. He's still holding this radio transmitter very prominently so the camera can see it at all times. And uh, Glory answers the door in her pajamas and she sounds a little disappointed to see Jimmy there. Uh, she was hoping it was Callie who hasn't been back all night to which Jimmy apologized and said that they should have called. And Gloria goes, you were together all night? And he very quickly goes, we were in the shop working. (laughs) Say more right now. Right. Sure. You were in the shop working. Sure, Jimmy. Like as if you can't get it on in a mechanic's shop. But then Glory finally notices the little radio bug thingy in Jimmy's hand, which he has been holding out. Where anyone can see it all through this scene. And he says, it's something he needs to show Callie before it's too late. And there is the first of many long zooms in in this episode. There are so many uncomfortably long zooms in this episode. Like tight, 
tight zooms. And usually in absolute silence, and it takes so long to get to that tight shot for every one of them. It's bizarre. And you know that the actors were told to hold perfectly still. Oh my god. Cut to outside the sub. Sydney is happy, looking like her old confident self again in her green and white silk blouse that has somehow not been ruined by her plunge into the briny deep. Sydney tells Callie she's going to start this whole new day in a way she's never started a day before. With a thank you. Aww. Probably the most believable thing Sydney has ever uttered. <laughs> I, I, fully, I fully believe that this child has never started a day with a thank you. Yes, she gives Callie a big hug, and we cut to commercial and the theme song, and then when we come back... We're still with Callie and Sydney on the docks, but we pick up like in the middle of a conversation. So we missed like the first half of this conversation because of the commercials. <laughs> and now we're back. Sydney is thanking Callie for saving her from drowning and from something worse herself. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> yeah, Sydney, you are in fact worse than drowning. My notes actually say, has Sydney figured out that she's awful? <laughs> Some things in this episode might lead you to believe that. Which I am very, I am very dubious about. We shall see. We'll see. But, uh, but so far, Sydney appears to be getting a character arc. It is belated, to be sure, in the last, like, ten episodes, essentially, of this show. Are we gonna, are we gonna get renewed? We should probably give this character an arc. <laughs> Sydney says from now on she's going to fill every moment with positive energy, and she'll be hopeful and joyous. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Well, all men except. Yes, she won't say his name because she has apparently promised Callie that she will not think about or utter the name Garrett or his stupid fake birth certificate. <laughs> at this moment, as they're as they're conversing, Sydney's like, a dove, <laughs> it's a sign. And Callie goes, I'm pretty sure it's a seagull. <laughs> and she gets this like horrified look from Sydney. And Callie responds, but I'm sure it's still a sign. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a sign that you're by the ocean. <laughs> Sydney vows on the sacred seagull that today is the day she's going to get her life back together. The sacred seagull is also a very good title. And then the camera zooms in so far on her smiling face that eventually only her eyes and nose are in frame. It takes a while to get there. <laughs> we are recording this just after the, like, b-plus horror movie smile came out and i kid you not this moment happened and i was like oh this was the uh, this was the inspiration we cut to garrett's brooding glower just as close up as sydney's face was the camera pulls back to reveal that he's still stuck at the cafe with mila staring at him in adoration while he absently pours all the red syrup onto his pancakes he has had, according to Jazz, two stacks of pancakes at this point, and Mila recommends that he eat something else so that he can write this poetry. Jazz come o comes over and taunts him, which I love. She's like, have you written any poetry yet? I love it when Jazz takes out her rage at the world by tormenting rich teenagers. It's so good. It's so good. It's very relatable. If I were, if I had to work at a fucking restaurant in a town like Swan's Crossing where every family is insanely wealthy and they all have teenage children, I would be the same way. Oh, hell yeah, you would. You'd probably, you'd probably be flirting with that bald stranger yourself. I mean, someone who seems down to earth instead of being a dickweed like a booth. Yeah, I'd flirt with him. <laughs> hell yeah. 
I was going to say Jazz drops the check, which is the first time that we have ever seen evidence of money exchanging hands in Swan's soda shop at all. There is one very brief moment in an episode earlier where Glory pays a check. Okay. All right. But it's, it's blink and you miss it. Okay. <laughs> Garrett says he thinks the problem is that Mila is there because it's so unusual for him to be around her and he's so distracted by love. Yeah. He tries to get up and take the bill and say, I'll be back in a minute. Like he's going to go pay it. I, for, I I at no point assumed that this child was going to pay this bill. No, of course not. That has never happened. <laughs> he, as he's trying to get up, their hands are stuck together by the syrup that got all over his hands <laughs> from pouring <laughs> it on the pan. I love it. So he leaves the table and Mila sort of wipes her hand and smiles dreamily after him. And then we cut to the booth porch again. Where JT and Neil knock on the door. They're here with their get-rich-quick scheme for funding the Rodavians and finishing the UB2B formula. Saja has also come with them and is supposed to be dusting off his psychic powers because he's going to deal some tarot? Yeah, it's very unclear in this scene what the hell is going on and what they're talking about. They're all just chattering excitedly about some trick, some, some scheme they've come up with to make a whole bunch of money. They're going to donate that money to the Rodavian Environmental Institute. And then once they make this donation, then the Rodavians will mine this mineral for them. How much money do they think they're going to earn from some teenager scheme? That's what I want to know. Because like essentially bribing a government to do some dangerous radioactive mining for you isn't like car wash or bake sale money, you know? (laughs) He just needs them to do him a favor, though. (laughs) Oh, God, we're getting political. Anyway. um, Oh, Callie Callie comes in with her gardening equipment, and that is the reason that they are here. They are trying to rope her into this scheme, and we very quickly uh, cut to the sub. Callie is at the sub, polishing the whole... I don't know why, but she's washing the sub... In a love daze, she writes her initials and Jimmy's into the residue left on the sub's hole, then draws a huge heart around them, just as Jimmy pulls up on his bike. Good timing. He asks, uh, she she sort of like jumps in front of her doodle, <laughs> and he asks how she managed to outrun him to get here, which doesn't make any sense, really. Um, they smile at each other, and uh, we cut over to Sandy and Owen in the studio planning the music video that they're going to shoot. Owen's like, he's got his fingers up making a square like he's framing a shot and it's over Sandy's face. And he's talking about the plan for the video and makes a joke about bringing in the frog from the last video that he made, (laughs) which I think was about dissecting a frog. So that's gross. But they seem to be having a really fun time together and a great synth track starts playing as Owen pretends to play along and Sandy pretends to, Sandy's like lip syncing to this song. Is this a new song, Libby? No, like we've heard it in a couple other forms before, but I think this is the first time we've ever actually seen Owen and Sandy like performing the song. Yeah, she sounds great in the recorded track. Like she's got a gorgeous voice. Oh yeah, yeah. Kristen Mann's a good singer. Yeah, she's great. Um, and, and it is her voice and you can tell that it is a recorded track and we're led to believe that she spontaneously starts singing it as Owen unconvincingly plays his Casio. This, the moment that like, the thing I love so much about this scene is that Owen and Sandy are really close to each other and they never break eye contact while Owen's playing this song and Sandy sings. They are gazing deeply into each other's eyes. Like, no wonder 
Sandy is in love with this ding dong because they are like, they sing sexy songs to each other. And this is the way he carries on while they do it. Yeah. Anyway, for, for uh, real fans of the show, the song they are singing is, am I ever going to get over you? Which we have heard a couple times as like background music, but this time it's foreground music. Okay. Well, <laughs> as, as we have established, I know nothing about music and don't pay any attention to it whatsoever. I'm the person who looked up Billy Gunn to see if they were a real rock and roll star. <laughs> so, so weird though. Cause you're like a really good singer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's the thing. You, you don't have to know anything about music to take like nine years of voice lessons. That's what I should have done. I should have taken nine years of voice lessons. Instead, I can just uselessly play a saxophone. <laughs> no, Libby, Libby, you you write best-selling novels. <laughs> if I could do that, I would. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a pretty sweet gig if you could land it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, right? Jeez! It only took me 15 years of toil to get to this point. <laughs> oh my gosh. So Owen stops playing and says, of course we'll pre-tape the vocals so you'll be lip-syncing like she's doing right now. <laughs> You're doing right now! <laughs> it's such obvious lip-syncing, that's why it's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And then he starts framing the shot with his hands again and muttering about what he sees, but as he looks at Sandy through his finger frame, Peaches and Cream Mila is back. The Mila of Owen's fantasies. It's so good. Uh, as And as Sandy, the, the great thing about this is that we get Sandy's voice talking about like her hair and makeup over this shot, which is fantastic because it's very disconcerting and disconnected. As Owen comes back to his senses, she's holding her hair up in like a ponytail or bun or something. And he goes, I like that. And she gets super excited because he's finally paying attention to her, which he absolutely was not. He was having another fever dream. And then Sydney appears from nowhere. Camera left. From nowhere. Just runs up to Sandy, who's sitting on the stool next to the Casio. I love this scene so much. There is no reason for it to exist. And it's so funny to me. Yeah. S Sydney comes barreling in. Sandy is not pleased to see her. Neither is Owen. Owen's like, oh, well, so much for getting any work done. But Sandy's like, no, let's keep working because fuck Sydney. <laughs> She's like, I'm not going to do anything for Sydney. But Sydney agrees. Yeah. For the first time ever, Sydney is not there to steal Sandy away. Sydney is there to tell them that their music is important and they sound amazing. And she uh, thinks it's incredible what they do. Yeah. It's so fucking weird. It's so weird. She just pops in to be like, hey. I just want to tell you guys you're fucking rad at mu music and I'm leaving now. Bye. <laughs> yep. And then and the last thing before she leaves is she turns to Sandy and goes, I think you looked really good as a blonde. Yeah. <laughs> Sandy looks mystified and maybe a little troubled and we cut to commercial. When we come back, <laughs> my favorite scene in this episode. It's so good. Garrett is crouched under the counter of Swan's Soda Shop with the cord from the Swan phone like over the counter and he's like pressed up next to the next to the the countertop and he's like Sydney come on Sydney pick up pick up Sydney <laughs> Muffy answers the phone at the Rutledge house and essentially Garrett's just like oh fuck he actually mutters hosed <laughs> Hosed. That's right. Hosed. That's it. That's the whole scene. That's all you need, though. <laughs> we cut over to Jimmy and Callie at the sub, 
Uh, Callie's realized that Glory is probably upset that she didn't come home, so she frantically starts explaining what happened, uh, you know, about seeing her dad's sub pull in. <laughs> I saw my dad's sub pull in is not a phrase that I knew that I didn't want to hear. Um, <laughs> don't like it. I don't like it. I saw my dad's sub pull in. It's also a good title for this episode. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to choose. <laughs> oh. I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> finally for once we see callie actually acting like the chatterbox jimmy accused her of being in the last episode as she just like yammers on nervously about all the weird shit that has happened to her over the past 12 hours and jimmy can't get a word in edgewise so uh it was a little late but we finally got there i guess yeah he f- and to stop her he puts he literally like puts a finger up against her lips like the way oh god i just sometimes i just hate him so much <laughs> Just like, oh, Jimmy. Jimmy. Oh. <laughs> he is supposed to be a James Dean type, though, so you know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he pulls out the transponder as ominous music starts playing. He, explain, he, he explains he got it from Barrick's bike, and then they start to hear a transmission over it. There's like noises coming out of it that sound like words, but you can't really make out what they are. Yeah, it's like all fuzzed and staticky, and they stare at each other in panic, and we cut to the booth porch. Apparently, the boys' plan was to have a carnival night and, I guess, raise money that way? Mm-hmm. But, like, it takes money to put on a carnival, and these boys yeah. have been cut off from their trust funds. So, like, how? Yeah. It also, for a hot second, sounded like they were planning to do this in JT's room. I don't know if, like, I don't know if I heard that correctly on the, on the audio, but it sounded like JT was like, we're going to do it in my room. <laughs> Well, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I will say this. There aren't very many sets on this show. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. So Saja's going to be the fortune teller. Glory's going to take tickets and manage the money because she's honest and they know she won't, like, steal from them. Um, And Glory says she'll do a kissing booth, but JT does not like this idea. (laughs) I'll spend all our profits. Do you... Okay, we grew up in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Did you ever, at any point in your actual life, see a real-life kissing booth? No, a kissing booth was a thing that existed solely in the realm of Charlie Brown comic strips. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Like, these... This is something that I think the 80s and 90s sort of, like... Prepare this like quicksand. You thought kissing booths were gonna be a much bigger thing. <laughs> There's gonna be kissing booths everywhere. Jeez Louise. And what a weird ass idea. Like what a gross, weird thing. It is really weird and creepy. Yeah, pay me to put your mouth on mine. What? No. For a dollar. For a dollar. They do mention that um, Sydney has an old slot machine, so I guess it doesn't only exist in her Dice and Christmas Lights depression mindscape. That's good to know. I really I really hope that the real version of it has Mila Garrett Sydney on it as options. It should. If it doesn't, I'm going to be very upset. But Glory yeah. mentions that Sydney's been acting pretty weird lately, and it's probably not a good idea to involve her. Yeah. So speaking of Sydney, we cut over to Muffy in the Rutledge home appears she appears to be reading and sydney like runs in does that cover your eyes thing guess who like oh god did you ever have someone do this to you yeah i mean like one of my friends would do it all the time in elementary school and i was was like i know it's you katie because you're the only person who does this (laughs) right exactly it's 
terribly annoying and it's so stupid this is one of the dumbest things ever also like Um, i can tell by your voice when you say guess who i know your voice (laughs) right right i'll yeah just take your don't touch me without permission you crazy person anyway it turns out to be a very cute scene and sydney hugs her mom and smiles big and they both look into a conveniently placed mirror and muffy (laughs) remarks on how good it is to see sydney smiling again and how, how when she smiles that way, she looks just like Muffy's mother. Aww. Aww. It's very cute. We, um, we cut back to Callie and Jimmy wondering what the device is and what to do with it. Callie <laughs> slips it into Jimmy's shirt pocket, getting quite close, and we get this moment of intense attraction. Oh, my notes say, touching his manly mechanic's chest makes her all flustered. <laughs> It's a real it's a real Captain America pops out of the time capsule moment. <laughs> Not the time capsule, the the thing with the super serum. Anyway. Yeah. Then they talk about Barrack some more and where he might be and whatnot. And then Jimmy notices the initials and heart Kelly put on the sub, and she tries to pretend like she didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jimmy, the plan, it does sound like, is that Jimmy is gonna try and put the transponder back so that Garrett doesn't know or Barrack doesn't know that it's been it's missing yeah is what the plan sounds like we cut to commercial when we come back we're at swans again on the wall of tvs where some kind of romantic music video is playing and jazz who for reasons i cannot explain is now wearing either like big thick heavy duty eyeglasses or safety goggles while she cleans syrup containers I just, okay, there's so many things to unpack here. First of all, the wall of TVs, it could be a music video, but it also definitely looks like a perfume commercial. <laughs> it does. It's like a dude walking on a beach in like a suit, like the wind is blowing back his jacket. And it's all in like black and white sepia tones. Yeah. It's so, it's bizarre. Did you notice on the back of the back bar of the soda shop, as the, as the camera pans away from the TVs, there is a single stack of pancakes with no one nearby. I did not notice that, but that's really, really funny to me. (laughs) It is so like creepy and eerie. Like who are the, are these pancakes for the soda shop ghost? Maybe, maybe uh the extras forgot to show up for work that day (laughs) right essentially these are the pancakes for elijah (laughs) elijah's pancakes also potentially a good title but i don't want to offend anyone either elijah's pancakes is a very good title would that offend any jewish people if i if i titled this episode elijah's pancakes i i'm not gonna speak for any jewish people Okay, maybe we shouldn't use that one, but if you are a Jewish listener, just know that we thought of Elijah in that moment. Yes. And let <laughs> us know. Let us know if it would be okay to title our episode Elijah's Pancakes. One time my friend, um, she's not Jewish, she was dating a Jewish man, and he really wanted to have um, a Passover Seder for like all her friends. She's a really good cook, so she's like, oh yeah, I want to learn how to cook all these awesome traditional foods, and like, yeah, let's let's invite all of our friends over. Unfortunately none of her other friends were Jewish, including me. So he's like, that's okay. It'll be fun. We'll have this like big get together of like cultural exchange. It'll be cool. So I came to this awesome Passover Seder. It was really great. He was trying to explain to us about the, the table setting left for Elijah. And somebody said, it was not me. Somebody said, like, he's a ghost. (laughs) 
and we were all kind of chuckling over it and then we're like going on with with the the traditional dinner and everyone's taking it in turns to do you know like reading the traditional parts of of the scripture and everything and uh-huh. and like in the middle of one of the readings the the blinds on the sliding glass window like moved for no apparent reason and i blurted out ah, that's Elijah! <laughs> <laughs> i was genuinely frightened well so, <laughs> so fun fun fact fun fact Elijah is not a ghost because Elijah is one of the few people in scripture that doesn't die. Oh yeah, that's right. So he can't be a ghost. Elijah ascends. He's just like persistent. Yeah. Good on him. Yeah. Well done, bud. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, after that, maybe blasphemy that we just committed. That's possible. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I'm sorry if we offended anyone. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) Okay. The camera follows Jazz's gaze to reveal... What's what's more likely is not that we offended someone. What's more likely is that people got really sick of listening to us and have not stayed in for the rest of the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Like, what is this this weird religious (laughs) shenanigans? I I was listening to a podcast about a teen soap opera from 1992. (laughs) The camera follows Jazz's gaze to reveal Garrett and Mila slow dancing... Right beside the jukebox, they are still the only other people in the restaurant. <laughs> yep, yep. The swan basket in this shot is filled with red roses. And this is the longest shot of these two slow dancing. It goes on for like a solid minute or more. Finally, we get a crossfade to a different shot of them slow dancing. <laughs> And uh, this, and it's just, it literally is just teenagers shuffling back and forth. It is exactly what you think it is. I mean, we've all been to high school dances. We know what it's like to slow dance when you're 16. It's just you're yeah. clinging to each other and shuffling slowly back and forth. And this is yeah. supposed to be romantic. Finally, Mila says that she forgives him for not writing a poem. <laughs> and, and Garrett says... As Chandler would say, who needs poetry when you have poetry in motion? And then he gives her a weird dip and there's a giggle. Finally, thank God, more people enter this damn restaurant. It's Sandy and Owen. Finally taking us away from this horrific hormonal tragedy. Owen is chattering about his ideas for the music video. He does the finger frame thing again. And then his finger frames land on Garrett and Mila dancing. And the Elton John jam that had been playing cuts off into complete silence complete silence it is great and it holds there on like owen's fingers framing these two dancing for a while in absolute silence Mm. yes (laughs) belatedly the camera cuts to the rutledges again muffy says she wants to talk to sydney about what she did last night because it had an enormous effect on her campaign. And for a moment, Sydney panics. What Muffy actually says is, because of what Sydney told her the other night, she went back in and charmed the votes out of all of those people at the dinner. Now, I don't know what people think happens at campaign dinners, but it's not voting. Yeah. Voting happens other places. You're raising money. So the idea, the idea that she walked back in and like got these people to vote for her is insane. Did she commit like a, a form of voter fraud by like bribing them or something? Like, listen, are you going to vote for me? Tell me yes or no. And they're like, yes. And so now she knows because that's not legal. <laughs> it's a fundraising dinner. Yeah. That's what it is. If you were successful, you would have raised a bunch of money. What is wrong with you? Georgia AG is going to be coming after Motley. Oh, fuck. Muffy Rutledge. 
God damn it. I'm cutting that whole thing out. Motley, Motley Ruffage? Mo- Motley Ruffage. Motley Ruffage. Also a really good title. Motley Ruffage. The title of this episode needs to be A Wealth of Titles. Motley Ruffage sounds like the name of a Dickens character. It does. It does. Or a band. Motley Ruffage sounds like a great band name. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> Motley Ruffage is the band name Mumford and Sons should have chosen. <laughs> I hate the name Mumford and Sons. Their music is fine. I like their music, but I cannot stand listening to them because that is such a stupid name. <laughs> That's the kind of person I am. <laughs> okay. All right. I will not I will not give my my ear holes this pleasure because I do not care for the name of this band. <laughs> Their music is really good. But yeah, like that name is off-putting. Motley Ruffage should have been what they chose. (laughs) Sydney is relieved and also very proud that she was able to help her mom. Muffy asks what Sydney got up to last night after the dinner party. And before Sydney has to answer that question, Glory comes in. No one knocks in this no. town yeah glory glory doesn't come in we just change camera angles and glory is there she also like she's entering from what has previously been established as where sydney's bedroom like opens out into the living room instead of yep. where the front door opens out into the living room so like glory came out of sydney's room <laughs> what's yep. going on here yep <laughs> Anyway, Muffy Muffy wants to let the two of them talk, so she thanks Sydney for, quote, being a Rutledge and heads off to City Hall. Yes, Glory tentatively asks for a favor, and Sydney says she's never too busy for a friend, especially Glory, and Glory admits it's not exactly for her. Yeah, I, I it's really fun watching, like, Sarah Michelle Gellar playing Sydney struggling with altruism. <laughs> It is a testament to what a talented actor she was, even at oh such a gosh. young age. Because you can so really, good. you can see that Sydney Rutledge, the one we have known, is still there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like these two sides of her are warring for control. It's really good. Yep. It's well done. Uh, Glory explains about the party and asks to borrow the slot machine, and Sydney agrees. And Glory's super happy and is about to skip off. But Sydney asks Glory if she'll do a favor for her. I'd like you to do a favor for me, though. <laughs> I I need you to do a favor for me, though. Oh my God. Fortunately, it's just giving Garrett a message, so that's great. Yes, but we before we learn what the message is, we cut to the tool and die. Jimmy has returned with coffee and what appears to be a bag of donuts, and this this is one of my favorite acting tropes uh, or writing tropes: is characters talking out loud to themselves for no reason. I know, I love it. <laughs> Jimmy walks in and he goes, "Where'd he go? No bike." What do I do now? <laughs> do you ever, like, talk out loud to yourself? Oh, I talk out loud to myself all the time. Absolutely all the time. But it is not to explain exposition to my fictional audience. Right. It's not expository. It's like, oh, shit, yeah. fuck. Ah, yeah. poop. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's, it, it, this, you have to decide if this goes in the podcast or not. <laughs> One of the things that I do a lot is our downstairs uh like powder room 
it has a very thin door. So when I go in to use the bathroom, sometimes I will make very loud noises. And it is it is one of the things that I do that Courtney hates the most. I I hope you mean you'll make loud noises like with your mouth. Like you'll yell stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah, definitely with my mouth. <laughs> so you're just in there going like, hey, what's up, party people? Or like what? Oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> this is definitely staying in the podcast, Nathan. <laughs> okay, great, great. I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna include a dog named Boner, <laughs> why would we not include this? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, my wife is correct. It is gross. <laughs> like, what am I doing? It's also very funny, though. <laughs> so, Jimmy's freaking out, because how is he going to get the bug back on the bike now? He pulls the bug out of his pocket, and a crackly voice with some kind of accent says, Is that you, Beric? And he looks around, and freeze frame, roll credits. Yeah, okay, here's the thing. Just put it on the floor underneath where it would have fallen off Barrick's bike. Not hard. And then just act like you don't know it exists. Not hard. It's not hard. It's not hard. It's not hard to lie convincingly, people. Come on. Oh my god. (laughs) Don't overthink it. (laughs) Well, wow. That was fun. What a great episode. Oh, so good. Man, this has been a fun session to record. (laughs) It was a good one. Who was our psychopath of the week? I, oh, that is a good question. Um... Not there's not a lot of psychopath going on. Not a lot of psycho- psychopathy. Um, I don't I don't know that we got one. I know, but like, but we have to I pick feel one. Like we have to. Um, can we just give it honorarily to Jazz because she opens her restaurant way too early and she wears goggles while she cleans syrup and and she puts out pancakes for Elijah. Okay, Jazz. <laughs> it's Jazz. <laughs> what was our swan count? Uh, we had two new fake swans. We had the uh, the vase in the. So she, oh no four sorry three three because we had the swan phone uh swan phone the vase with the flowers and the one in the credits we had one new imaginary swan because we see the the name lita on the side of the sub so that brings our total to uh seven imaginary swans 24 actual swans and 135 other swans that's more than two uh other swans per episode damn damn yeah that's wild okay Lay on me your predictions for next week. Okay. <clears throat> Owen gets super distracted by Mila and Garrett in the soda shop, which leads to another moment of Sandy feeling rejected by Owen when things have been going so well. Mila doesn't get it because she is totally focused on Garrett, but Garrett uses the opportunity to like escape from the poetry writing thing. He is probably going to try and rope Sydney into getting him more poetry for Mila. That is my guess there. JT and Neil keep planning the, what did they call it? The, the amusement extravaganza for the, and I think that's going to be the Friday episode is the amusement extravaganza episode. So they spend the next uh, episode planning that and Sydney, Sydney's tangled up with Garrett trying to figure out how to get him more poetry or or trying to like figure out how to get the birth certificate back from him and and living her new uh changed life with her new, you know, perspective. 
Other than that, I think I don't think we get a lot of jazz or the Baldy next episode. And Jimmy, Jimmy probably like has a scene with Beric where he's trying to like figure out how to get the the thing back on the bike without Beric noticing. So that's what I think happens. Okay, well. Uh, hopefully it will be as exciting an episode as this one was. This was a real banger, as the kids say. Yeah. Thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show Swan's Crossing. And if you want to find us on social media, go check out all the stupid videos I make <laughs> on Twitter at Gotta Grow Up Pod and on Instagram at Swan's Cross Pod. As we're recording this at the end of September, um, I am preparing to like upload a whole bunch of more stuff. So when this new season comes out, in a couple days we'll have some new things up on instagram so yeah that's very exciting and, and do you have any do you have any books coming out soon that you want to pitch to the pitch to the folks oh yeah um on october 1st i had the fire and the ore come out so go check that out yeah that's that's it that's Absolutely. all i got uh until we can see one another again may you never ever have to see your dad sub pull in <laughs> oh my god never bye <laughs> It's a sign. I think it's a seagull.